Hey everyone, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, as Jake said, my name is Matt Townsley. I am one of the elders here at Riverwood Church. Uh, as you know, Pastor Aaron is on a sabbatical for a number of months, as Jake said, and uh, he's looking forward to a time of rest and rejuvenation and relaxation with his uh, entire family. Um, on behalf of the elder team, I just want to say thank you so much for keeping uh, the Sunday team and the elder team and everyone else that is um, doing uh, what they've done in the past, but maybe a little bit more and maybe a little bit different way uh, during Aaron's sabbatical. We're in the midst of uh, a pandemic, right? We're in the midst of transitioning to a new building. Uh, Aaron's on sabbatical, and it really is just a wonderful, wonderful time uh, to look at our church and see all the talents that we have, um, all the gifts that we can use uh, to serve God. Uh, I also want to re reiterate on behalf of the elder team how thankful we are for each one of you. Uh, we know that uh, as the state begins to reopen, um, that as Jake said, some of us are feeling really comfortable uh, about coming back next week to Drosty Hall, and some of us are still unsure if that's uh, you know, the right thing to do. And uh, so we just want to let you know that whether you choose to come back, uh, whether you choose to continue to worship uh, through Riverwood Online at home, that we just want you to connect with us. And we're going to do everything we can, uh, as Jake said in our news and notes time today, to continue to, say, to stay connected with you. Um, as we transition this summer, I want to let you know that as an elder team, we are praying um, that we will be united uh, in Jesus during this time of transition. Not that, you, that we'd be united in specific opinions about how to handle uh, this reopening uh, or other kind of uh, tense issues out there, but we want to just spend this time being absolutely united in what unites us all here at Riverwood Church, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whether you're planning to join us from home or you feel comfortable, uh, we want you to know that we care for you. Um, like Aaron, I believe that uh, our absolute best days at Riverwood Church are ahead of us. And I think that as we look back at uh, the spring and summer of 2020, we're going to see uh, that we had a just absolute wonderful opportunity to see how God worked in and through us at Riverwood Church. For me this summer, I am claiming Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, that reads this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I have to admit that too often I trudge through life doing things Matt's way. If you were to bring up my family on the, on the screen right now, they would tell you that too often I do things and I want to do things Matt's way. Rather than opening up my Bible or listening to my very intelligent wife and my often smart kids, I try to do it Matt's way. Too often it's about me and not enough about God. And boy, have I needed a lot more of God in my life during the past several months. This is why I'm really excited today to kick off our Summer of Psalms series. Uh, in case you're not familiar with uh, the book of Psalms, here is a, a bit of an introduction. Psalms, if you just open up your Bible, basically to the middle of your Bible, that's where you'll find the book of Psalms, 150 chapters. It's perhaps one of the most well-read, the most frequently quoted uh, books of the Bible. And here's why. One author called the book of Psalms a book that speaks the language of the hearts of God's people. A book that speaks the language of the hearts of God's people. In this very book, the book of Psalms, it answers our every mood. 
In our growth group, sometimes I talk about the roller coaster of emotions that happen during the week. The book of Psalms addresses each one of those ups and downs of the roller coasters of life. It, it addresses so many ups and downs in life that there have been a number of hymns that have come right out of uh, the book of Psalms. For example, a hymn I grew up singing quite a bit in church, He Leadeth Me. It's based upon Psalm 23. It goes something like this. He leadeth me, he leadeth me. By his own hands, he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hands he leadeth me. That comes right from Psalm 23. There's also some songs that we sometimes sing here at Riverwood Church in, uh, in 2020. One of those is uh, by Chris Tomlin. It's a, it's a song that's called 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It comes from Psalm 103, verse 1, that starts like this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. If you were to read through all 150 books, all, sorry, 150 chapters of Psalms, you would see that there are a number of metaphors that represent God. Here are a couple of them that I found. God is a, a horn, a king, a redeemer, a rock, a shepherd, our shield, our stronghold, our fortress, and even our warrior. I think that if you were to read and consider all those, you would also see that those metaphors for God, those representations of God, also address the ups and downs of life that I was talking about earlier. We have all experienced a lot of ups and downs in the past couple months, haven't we? You may find value in reading some of the chapters of what are called the Psalms of Lament. Uh, did you know that more than one-third of the psalms are called the psalms of lament? They are psalms that were specifically written uh, related to sickness and to, uh, related to the oppression of enemies. Um, they were specifically written as personal statements of despair. For example, Psalm 22 starts with these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? from the words of my groaning. My God, my God, why do we have to quarantine right now? You may also find value in reading some of the chapters of praise in Psalms. Another one-third of the book of Psalms are Psalms of praise. For example, Psalm 145, which begins, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Thank you, God, for McDonald's drive through being open once again today. We've had that, right? We've had the, the times during the past several months where we've been really down and the times during the past several months where we have sang praises to God. Did you know that some of the Psalms were actually sung by Jewish people as they marched, as they walked to Jerusalem during their, one of their three major religious holidays. These are called the Psalms of Ascent. And the psalm in which we're going to focus on today, Psalm 127, is one of those Psalms of Ascent. If you still have your Bible out from Kids Creek time as Bridget invited you, or perhaps you want to go grab your Bible right now, we at Riverwood, it, it, we don't care if you have a, a paper Bible like this or a Bible on your cell phone or iPad. What's most important is you, that you have a, a Bible and, and you feel comfortable bringing it on Sunday morning, whether it's here at Drosty Hall or, or at home in your living room. We want you to read and to cherish God's Word. So grab your Bible right now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read through Psalm 127. 
and we're gonna ask God to bless our time. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior and the children of one's youth, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Will you join me in prayer? Dear God, we come to you today. Some of us are crying out to you. Lord, we're in despair. Others of us, Lord, are, are crying out to you in praise today. Lord, wherever each one of us is at, I pray that Psalm 127 would speak to each one of us today. Lord, I ask that, um, that your word would be the focus of the next 25 minutes or so. Lord, I pray that it would not be Matt Townsley's words, but your words that would be heard by Riverwood Church in living rooms, through tablets, through cell phones, through computers and TV screens this morning. Lord, I ask for your blessing on our time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the things I absolutely remember uh, growing up is going to Iowa's amusement park, also known as Adventureland. Uh, we used to go to Adventureland growing up in uh, youth group. And uh, I'm giving away my age here a little bit today, but I remember the very first year that the dragon the, the, the dragon roller coaster was available. The, the, it opened up. We stood in line for over an hour just to ride a 60-second ride. I will never forget when they latched those harnesses on me. I was barely tall enough to actually ride the roller coaster. And so I was kind of feeling like, you know, what's this going to be all about? I hadn't really ridden a whole lot of roller coasters, but that 60 seconds flew by and I just absolutely wanted to ride again. But when I got off that roller coaster, uh, for, for those of you that have ridden uh, the, the dragon, you'll remember that you go th like through this room and there's those, those crazy mirrors, like the wobbly mirrors that make you look you know, like thin or, 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 or big or whatever. Like, I'll just never forget thinking, wow, that was an absolute awesome roller coaster ride. Uh, every time I go back to Adventureland, I just have to ride uh, the dragon, although someone told me the other day that the dragon is actually under construction right now and Adventureland is wiping out the dragon for something different. And so it kind of tore me inside to think about going to Adventureland, not being able to ride the dragon. But for me in the past, without the dragon, Adventureland was not worth it. Like I had to ride the dragon at least once during every trip to Adventureland. And so I thought to myself, without the dragon, Adventureland is not worth it. Now we're not gonna talk a whole lot today about Adventureland, the dragon. Instead, we're gonna say this phrase several times. Without God it's not worth it. Without God, it's not worth it. That's the main take-home point from today's message from Psalm 127, that without God, it's not worth it. Right now in your homes, why don't you go ahead and repeat after me? Without God, it's not worth it. Today, I want to share with you two warnings and one affirmation that comes right from our text in Psalm 127 around this theme of without God, it's not worth it. 
And then after that, I'd like to share just a few brief application points for each one of us uh, here at Riverwood Church. So first, the first warning comes from verse one. It is a warning of overconfidence. Verse one says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now, I want you to know that this verse is not suggesting that we should not just not work at all, that we should not try at all, that we should just not do anything. We should just sit around, you know, like zombies and allow God to do everything. No, there still is a place for us in the work of God here in Butler and Bremer County. Uh, in fact, if you were to read the book of Proverbs, you would see that uh, the book of Proverbs actually encourages hard work. The main message from verse one here is that apart from God, hard work will not satisfy. In fact, God created us to work. Genesis 2 verse 15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So God created us to work. I will never forget one of my very first summer jobs. Um, I was in college, actually just getting ready to go in college, and I worked at a place called Amana Appliances in Amana, Iowa. An absolute wonderful job for a college kid, guaranteed 40 hours a week uh, at $10 a week, like it was hitting the jackpot to work for Amana Appliances. I worked in the consumer affairs department. And, and what did that mean? That about 10% of the time I answered phone calls and people had really easy to answer questions like, hey, I wanna buy this particular refrigerator. Uh, what are the dimensions? The rest of the 90% of the time, it was answering phone calls of people that were pretty much upset, yelling and screaming. You see, this was before the internet and uh, it, it, there was no such thing as social media. And so people took out their frustrations to the consumer affairs department on the phone. Things like, uh, my refrigerator warranty is, it expired last month and now my refrigerator broke down and I think that you, Amanda Appliances, should pay for it. Uh, or my, uh, the handles on my refrigerator doors broke for the third time in the past year. It seems like my refrigerator might be a lemon. And so those are the types of phone calls that I received working for Amanda Appliances. And I have to tell you, work was not fun. And I thought to myself, my, the purpose of me working at Amanda must just be, I want to make fewer people yell at me and I want to make people happy. And for a while, that's what I thought work was all about. How can I make people happy? As it turns out, that's not the purpose of work. You see, the world does not often see God, but they do see us. God created us to work for a purpose that's not just to make people happy. God created us to work for a purpose that's not just to get a raise. God created us to work for a purpose that's not just to get a bunch of notoriety or to get the promotion. Colossians 3.23 speaks to this point. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Our purpose in work, whether in the workplace or at home, is to work for an audience of one. It's to work for an audience of God. You see, when we're not overconfident in our own work, we will work for that audience of one and not for men. Some of you know uh, that my dad is a, a pastor and he's actually retiring here in a couple weeks. Um, 
Basically, when I've grown up, I have known my dad as, as my pastor from when I was in about third grade until college. And at the end of almost every worship service, I can remember my dad walking to the doors and shaking people's hands as they left the worship center. And so sometimes as a kid, I would stand next to my dad and I would listen in to some of the things that people would say to him. Oftentimes it was thing like, hey, things like, hey, Pastor Mike, uh, great sermon today, or wow, what you said, the message today really connected with me. And I gotta be honest, I was most of the time expecting my dad to say like, oh, thank you. Like, yeah, I spent a lot of time on that. Like, oh yeah, it wasn't a great sermon. But every single time I can remember, here is what my dad would say when someone would give him a compliment. Just this phrase, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. You see, no matter what we do, no matter how well we do it, we are called to work for an audience of one. We are called not to be confident in our abilities, but to be confident in God's abilities in us to do the job that he wants us to do. Sometimes though, this idea plays itself out in, uh, in the home too, right? Uh, sometimes we can get overconfident in ourselves as parents, right? We, we just read the latest book that we picked up on Amazon or, or picked up at Barnes & Noble, and we think we've got the parenting strategy down now. If we just do these three steps in our parenting strategy, our kids will start listening to us. Or maybe in our marriage, right? We just recently attended the weekend marriage retreat. We come back all fired up. Like if we just do these things, then our marriage is going to be perfect from here on out. Or maybe now we're, we're dating just the perfect guy or the perfect girl. And so things are going to work out. But the problem is, where's God in that picture? I have to admit, uh, the kids, the Townsley kids have been playing a lot more video games than I'd like to admit during the pandemic. And so some mornings I would wake up and uh, there'd be one of these tablets and it would not be charged up. And I thought to myself, like, why isn't it charged up? And so one day I found myself, I'll never forget, I was, I was fiddling with the tablet and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't charged up. And frankly, I was frustrated because I wanted to do something else and I wanted to just give my kids the tablet so they would, you know, do their thing so I could do my thing. And so here I was, I was fiddling with the cord, trying to figure out why is it not charging? Why is this stupid thing not charging? And, and usually in the past, it was just a matter of jiggling it the right way and getting it, you know, right in there. And I was jiggling it, still wasn't charging. Jiggling it, putting it, taking it out, putting it in. It still wasn't charging. Until finally, I looked at the other end. Guess what? It wasn't plugged into the wall. No wonder the tablet wasn't charging. That's what happens, right? As we get too overconfident in ourselves by reading the latest self-help book or by going to the seminar, which all those things are good by taking the praise for ourselves in the workplace, we think that we're doing it. Instead, we need to look at the other end of the charging cable and make sure that we're plugged into God and give credit and glory where glory is due. So we need to, to heed this warning of overconfidence in ourselves and have confidence in the workplace and at home in God. The second warning is a, a warning of overworking, and that comes from verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. 
Cassie would tell you, my wife Cassie would tell you that I struggle with uh, wanting to do a couple things in life. One of those is watching movies. For whatever reason, I just, I just don't like to watch movies. Like, I just think there's a lot different things I could be doing with my time. And so, you know, early in our marriage, she'd say, like, do you want to watch a movie? And I'd be like, eh, I don't know. And sometimes I'd appease her. But, like, I just thought, like, there's just way more other important or other things to do rather than watching movies. Another one of those things is taking naps. Like, I just want to do stuff rather than sleeping. I have to be really, 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 really tired to take a nap. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, there's actually a lot of benefits to, uh, to sleep. There's some physical benefits. It, uh, it helps me, it helps perhaps you become less angry. It perhaps helps you become a better listener. It helps me be a much better listener and more patient with my kids when I have adequate sleep. There are definitely some physical benefits uh, to, to having rest. Um, I looked at uh, some Harvard research that said inadequate sleep can actually increase um, uh, can increase our chance for type 2 diabetes. It can increase our chance of getting cardiovascular disease. It can increase our chance of having uh, a, a mood disorder. It can increase our chance, actually decrease our chance of, of living a, a long life. I don't think that in Psalm 127, it's prescribing like, you know, a six hours or a seven hours or an eight hours or a nine hours of sleep. Why? Because it, it doesn't say that in the text. Also, I know that in various seasons of life, we can get more sleep or less sleep. I remember the days before we had kids and, and we could get eight or nine hours of sleep per night if we wanted to, and it was absolutely wonderful. But for the past nine years or so since we've had kids, the amount of sleep we get is just a little bit different. And so I think the text today is speaking specifically to the spiritual benefits of rest. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God can do more for those of us who trust in him while we're asleep than while we're awake and anxious. You see, God is made perfect in our weakness. For some of us, overworking is actually a sign of our lack of trust in God. One pastor said it this way, we are never more weak or more childlike in our faith than when we sleep. You see, some of us, and me included, we want to work. We want to do it. We want to do it, do it, do it. We want to get the jobs done because that's how we're wired. We want to, as Nike said, just do it. Our culture says we can do anything if we put our mind and body to it. But 2 Corinthians 12 continues, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What a game changer this whole rest thing can be for us. We have an opportunity to view rest as a chance to trust in God rather than ourselves overworking. I have to admit that I fail in this area. I've been observing my wonderful wife, Cassie, do a much better job than me in this area. When it comes to uh, big decisions, when it comes to being anxious about things, Cassie is really good at night at saying, you know what, maybe we should just stop talking about this right now. Maybe we need to pray about it, go to sleep, and talk about it in the morning. And I'm getting better at listening to her uh, and actually doing that. 
And, and more often than not, when we do pray about it, when we go to sleep, and then we wake up in the morning, we can look at the situation through different eyes. You see, we often look at our trials we often try to be anxious and overwork through our trials rather than to claim God's promises. God wants to take away those burdens from us if and when we choose to depend upon him. It says in, in, in verse two, he gives to his beloved sleep. And that sleep, that rest is to counteract our temptation to overwork and to be anxious. So we've talked about uh, this temptation to, uh, be, uh, to, to, to overwork. We've also talked about this temptation uh, to, uh, to be overconfident in our own abilities. I want to also talk about an affirmation that comes from Psalm 127 today. It comes from verses three through five. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the room, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. In this particular era that the, that the scripture was written, um, sons meant security for a family. The more kids that, uh, that a father had, the more ways in which he could provide for his family uh, through work and through gathering resources. I'm not so sure that's the case today, although if you have more kids and qualify, that would have gotten you a, a higher stimulus check, for example. But there's also a lot of other things that come around with, uh, that go with having more kids. I absolutely love the fact that we here at Riverwood view kids not as security, but as our future. For those of us that are able next week in Drosty Hall, we're just going to see a bunch of kids, hopefully social distancing, that are the future of Riverwood Church. This specific passage talks about arrows in the context of kids. And arrows are not meant to be kept safe. Arrows are an actual weapon. Now, I'm not suggesting we should take our kids and we should torpedo them out the door or out the window in our own homes right now. Instead, I think that it's more about us as parents and grandparents thinking about how can we eventually someday launch our kids into life outside of our immediate care. How do we go about doing that? Well, first of all, we need to say thanks to Bridget for doing such a great job here in Riverwood Online and at Drosty Hall with Kids Creek. She does an absolute wonderful job. And so do the volunteers at Kids Creek do an absolute wonderful job, not just babysitting our kids, but helping them find and follow Jesus in a way that is very kid-friendly. But that's not enough. I believe there's a couple more ways that we can point our kids, that we can affirm that our kids are a gift from God and disciple them so that one day we can launch them out into society to follow Jesus. We can continue to involve kids here in the ministry at Riverwood Church. I absolutely love the fact that we have teenagers involved in recording our Riverwood Online and editing our Riverwood Online. I love the fact that we, on Sunday mornings, have kids, teens that are involved in the slides and the sound and, and setting Riverwood Church up. I absolutely love seeing kids grab a snack and grabbing hot chocolate. Like it is a part of who we are. We should be embracing that and we do a wonderful job of that as a Riverwood Church family. As parents, as grandparents, we should also talk with our kids about the temptations of the world so that when they leave our care, they'll be ready to take on and address those temptations of the world in a way that honors God. 
And finally, we need to pay attention to our kids. And that takes us to verse five. Fathers out there, get ready because we're getting ready to speak to you and me. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to, oh, excuse me, verse five. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Guys, fathers, I believe that this verse and a number of other verses in the Bible speak directly to our role as parents, as the primary disciplers in the home. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes after a full day's of work, I just come home and I want to mess around on my phone or sit down and relax. And the last thing that I absolutely want to do is engage with my kids. This, these verses are saying that children are a gift from God. These verses are saying that we should not give our kids the leftovers but give our kids the best. We should be discipling our kids at the same level of energy and excitement as we put into our nine to five work day. I know of a guy who takes this so seriously that he puts a picture of his family right on the dash of his car. So that on the commute home, he prays for his family and says, dear God, help me remember how important my family is to you. Dear God, help me forget about the things going at work and help me focus in on the needs of my family when I get home. That's the type of mentality I believe that we as dads should be embracing as fathers when we get home. At the same time, we should not find our eternal security in our children. I see proud parents, and I've done it myself, posting photos of their kids' accomplishments in sports and fine arts and, and on the honor roll. These are all wonderful things to be proud of as parents, but they're all very temporary. Today's scripture warns us not to be overconfident, not to overwork, yet it's also a warning to not make our lives all about our kids. Children are a gift from God, yes, and God wants us to cherish them, yes, but with his help. Without God... It's not worth it. Without God in the lives of our kids, it's not worth it. Do you remember the context of this psalm? A psalm of ascent, a song or a chant to be sung by Jewish people as a reminder to see things the way that God sees them as they marched, as they walked to Jerusalem. I want to end today with an application of how we might be able to see things in that similar lens that God would have us see them here today in Bremer and Butler County. First, I want to speak to you, the followers of Jesus. If you profess that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, I've got a couple questions for you to consider today. The first question is this. Do my prayers reflect God's ability to change me? Do my prayers reflect God's ability to change me? Do my prayers reflect that without God, it's not worth it? I absolutely love uh, Psalm 51.10 that reads, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Some of you know that we have a, a two-year-old son that, that, that struggles to, to use his words. Um, 
And I have to admit, we have put him into, uh, and, and rightly so, to speech therapy and all kinds of other services so that he can hopefully learn more words. And so it was a struggle during the pandemic when all of those resources were not able to take place. And, and frankly, it has been a struggle for Cassie and me to see the very slow progress that he has made with his words. And frankly, if you were to examine my heart, the reason that I wanted him to learn those words is so that he could communicate better and so I would have to work less as a parent and so I could do my own things. God really convicted me of that in my prayer life during the pandemic. I used to pray things like, dear God, help my son learn to talk. And I've changed my prayer to better reflect what God can do in my life. Dear God, can you help me better understand my son? And so that first prayer is, or that first question to answer today is, do my prayers reflect God's abilities to change me? The second question for us as followers of Jesus, as we think about without God, it's not worth it, is, is my finite time here on earth being used for his glory or my own personal fulfillment? I mentioned earlier that we've been playing a lot of video games at uh, the Townsley household. And so I was explaining to my kids that uh, I played games like Super Mario Brothers 3 and NBA Jam an awful lot growing up. I absolutely love those games. My brothers and I would probably stay up way too late, that, uh, way beyond when my parents would really allow us to stay up playing these games. I told my kids about this epic five overtime game that my brother and I played in NBA Jam. It was absolutely awesome. But as I reflect on playing all those video games, why? Why did I do that? It was an absolute waste of time. And so the question we need to ask ourselves today as followers of Jesus is, is my finite precious time here on earth being used for his glory or my own personal fulfillment? Because without God, not a whole lot is worth it. And finally, I want to end with a, uh, a question for you. Maybe you've been hearing me talk about all of this God and Jesus stuff, and you're just not quite sure what that is all about. I want you to know that we as Riverwood Church actually exist for people like you. Our aim as Riverwood Church is to help the spiritually disconnected find and follow Jesus. You see, your take-home point today should be this. Am I a follower of Jesus? You see, because life with God is absolutely worth it. I hope that today you will consider pursuing a life of focus on our creator who loves you so much that he died for your sins. There is an absolute wonderful message that you need to hear today. That we are absolutely more love than we can imagine, yet we are worse off than we absolutely could ever think. You see, John chapter 10, verse 10 says, Jesus here was speaking to these religious people, the spiritually disconnected. He said this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's describing there a life set apart from God. I, Jesus, it says in John chapter 10, verse 10, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, as followers of Jesus, we can live a life that is absolutely wonderful and abundant. 
Philippians 3, 7 through 8 is a verse I just cannot get out of my mind. Perhaps it's, it's one of my life verse. It says this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. If you are tuning in today from your home, from your computer, from your cell phone, we want you to know at Riverwood Church that we love you that God loves you and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. And all you need to do is receive that wonderful gift. Will you pray with me? Father God, we're thankful today to know that you are an absolute wonderful God who loves us more than we can imagine. Father, we admit today that we sometimes are overconfident in our own abilities. Lord, we admit that many times uh, we overwork. Lord, we thank you for the gift of children, the gift of discipling them to help them find and follow you. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone today in the comfort of their own living room that does not yet know you, that they would find you today through Riverwood Online, that they would confess that they're a sinner, that they would accept the free gift of your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for their sins. And they would press the button on Church Online says that they want to receive you. They want to receive Jesus Christ today as their Lord and Savior. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to know you. Lord, without you, it's not worth it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.